1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed Deputy Editor, John Dixon. John, the bye week has come and gone. Are you feeling refreshed, ready for the divisional round?
2: Um, Maybe a little bit, yeah. yeah. I didn't feel very well the weekend, so that didn't help any. But uh, unbelievable but yes.
1: timing of, of you not feeling well with a buy. I mean, it could, could it yeah. get any worse than that. We needed you to, to feel good this weekend. Right. Yeah. But hey. Well,
2: I feel a little better than I did, but uh but I no longer have a fever and a fever on Saturday night, which sucked. So.
1: <sighs> well, you know what? At least we weren't working a game. I guess you can look at it that way. We're looking right. at we're looking yeah. at the bright side here in 2023. And speaking of the bright side, I have no cake in front of me this morning <laughs> slash afternoon here on the Monday editor show. And. That was a lot worse than I ever thought it was going to be. It really ruined my, my whole day last week. It ruined a couple days leading into the week, and then I finally started to feel better on Wednesday. But let's uh, continue to keep those reviews coming in. We, we really appreciate it here at Arrowhead Pride. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, we are now at 1,024 reviews and counting. I'll read three new ones here in a second, but I'd also like to welcome on our Arrowhead Pride Podcast producer, Steve Serta. Steve is going to stick with us for a round table here because we don't have Andy Reid. He's not speaking until Tuesday. We don't have any game to talk about, so no marinated takeaways as, as much as you guys like the, the marinated takeaway jingle. But we do have Steve here to, to chip in on the discussion t- topic. And I, I guarantee, Steve, that you are going to disagree with, with something that I say. There's, there's no doubt about it. You are you're forever <laughs> a contrarian. Uh, well, I'm excited to uh, hear what I'm going to disagree with. Me too. Let's get to these reviews before we talk about what's going on in the rest of the AFC. This one from Jebham. Top notch. Love the podcast network. The best shows are definitely the editor's show and seeing John Big Dixon flex on Pete and the Arrowhead Drive, keeping me up to speed with the news of my favorite squad. My favorite music is the intro to Marinated Takeaways. Can you do us all a solid and break down the different voice samples being used as well as the underlying music track? makes me tap my toes and shake my shoulders a bit whenever it comes on thanks for all you do keep on rocking in the free world steve do you have any idea of the samples on there
3: um i'd have to listen to the open um
2: (laughs) there's no real
3: like like when people hear drops and stuff that i use in some of our production beds they might think that i'm just like pulling those and like thinking of them but there's like search engines and stuff that help with key phrases and things like that that make it a lot easier for me to pull. But I do th- think that if I listened to it, I'd probably recognize most of them. As far as the music goes, it's just something from our royalty free catalog that we're like not, use not
1: everyone realizes this is a, about Steve, but he is a a pop culture guy. Pop goes the culture with Steve Sirta. That's that's the <laughs> podcast that's coming to you in the in the off season. <laughs> On Wednesday, from my nickname, he said, never eat cake again. I'll give you five stars every week to never hear Pete talk and eat again. Look, uh, I appreciate that energy. <laughs> I'm behind myself. I never, I never want to do that again. Uh, last one from uh, Phantom Mark. Chiefs payback to Raiders victory lap. I wonder if the Chiefs Arctic snow globe play was their delayed response to October 2020 Raiders victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium. A great podcast season long. That's... <laughs> An interesting thought. I, I feel like it's a little different just because John Gruden was no longer there. I think that would have more legs mm-hmm. had Gruden, yeah. who constructed this victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium, still been there. But uh, the snow globe was fun nonetheless. We'll talk about that a little bit more in segment two because uh, apparently it, it got got wind around the rest of the AFC West, and someone wasn't too happy about it. But let's let's start our roundtable discussion about the wildcard weekend. Uh, that we had in the NFL. A lot of good games this weekend. It really wasn't a ton of stinkers. I mean, if you want to talk about well, over in the NFC with the 49ers running away, that was still a game in the third quarter. And so yeah. they ran away sort of at the end. Everything else was was pretty close. Around the AFC, you had the Los Angeles Chargers just completely falling, completely apart on on Saturday night blowing the 27 to nothing lead to lose 31 30 to the the Jackson Jaguars around the AFC. uh, The rest of the weekend, you have the Buffalo bills holding on to beat the Skylar Thompson led Miami Dolphins who led in the third quarter, 24 to 20, but the bills storm back and win 34 to 31. And then the Cincinnati Bengals, the, the chiefs number one rival at the moment, you could argue, They held on against the Baltimore Ravens. Another scare there. Uh, Tyler Huntley of the Ravens filling in for Lamar Jackson. Tried to to put the ball over the goal line, and it led to a 98-yard fumble return for Cincinnati to win the game. So 24-17, the Bills and Bengals advance. The Bengals will be visiting uh, the Buffalo Bills next weekend as the Jacksonville Jaguars come to arrowhead stadium let's start there with the chargers collapse on saturday night let's just get some reactions uh, around here john what was your takeaway from the uh, chargers absolute collapse on saturday
2: well i think it's the same one for most of these games this weekend it just shows that as weird and as convoluted the process is the nfl does manage to find the teams that are best qualified to be in the playoffs every year And we see this when they play each other and teams that, you know, have substantially different records go in there and come out with these close games. Um, You know, part of it is because there's a lot of parity in the NFL. Uh, I think I saw a stat the other day that like 25 teams this year are above 400, which is like totally crazy highest it's ever been the winning margin of nfl teams was lower this year than it's been on average ever um so that's part of it but it's also that these teams come in here and and there's no tomorrow so they're going to give every effort and leave it all on the field and that eventually that's going to lead to some close games even if they don't seem like they should be yeah i think
1: the thing that that sticks out to me about this particular game between the chargers and the jaguars and You know, it it matters this week, especially in Kansas City, because they're they're coming here is Trevor Lawrence. Unbelievable for him to throw four interceptions in the first half, Steve, and then to come back and play as well as as he did. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. And I've been a broken record this year about the Chiefs not turning the football over. The Jaguars lost the turnover battle five nothing in this game Mm -hmm. and still found a way to win. Steve, what, what did you think about this game?
3: Well, full transparency on this one. Yeah, we were off on Saturday, basically, with no Chiefs game. So I had some pops, some brewskis on Saturday <laughs> evening and uh, may have fallen asleep when uh, the Chargers were up 27 to nothing in this game and then yeah. woke, up, woke up about 1230, uh, saw the Chargers collapse. I did go back and rewatch the second half of the game. Uh, But it it felt like you could just, everyone saw this coming, right? Like we were talking about the game uh, ahead of wildcard weekend, and it just felt like you could see this coming from the Chargers. Now, I didn't see twenty being up 27 to nothing Mm -hmm, with Trevor Lawrence during four first half interceptions and then creating this incredible comeback. But it just speaks to where the Jaguars are right now. Like Trevor Lawrence, since they played the Chiefs in mid-November, The Jags are on a run like they've won seven out of eight games. Trevor Lawrence has been playing like he is a special quarterback talent in the NFL. And Doug Peterson is out here saying, I'm one of the five best coaches in football and they're playing like it right now. So I felt (laughs) like you could just totally see this collapse coming from the Chargers, even though it was in a way that was even more unpredictable than I could have possibly imagined.
1: Yeah, I look at this game and I look at the Chargers now and I thought. Brendan Staley was safe making the playoffs, but this was just a monumental collapse mm, yeah. the The rumblings that have come out from the newsbreakers and the insiders is that he he remains safe. So I think we're going to get a, at least another year of Staley, but this is tough on on Justin Herbert's record. I think the the big knock on Herbert is he's never been able to win a playoff game before this year was make the playoffs. They finally make the playoffs, and here you have uh, Trevor Lawrence storming back in the second half. And I and, I, you know, as we turn the page here, because this leads the Jaguars coming to Kansas City and I heard a lot of Chiefs fans saying, you know, we just want the Chargers out and and, you know, we don't want to play them a third time. And I and I, I get all that. But I, I think we're not giving the Jacksonville Jaguars ability to stun the world enough credit, not to say that I think that's necessarily going to happen. But I think this is going to be a tough game for Kansas City. I really do. They played in Week 10, but this is for, before the Jaguars were really on a roll. If you remember in that game, the Chiefs won 27-17. to 17. Yes, it was a 10-point win, but the Chiefs maintained control. It's a well-balanced effort by the Chiefs where they were running the football mm-hmm. a lot. They were uh, passing. They were spreading the ball around. And so you wonder how much you can take from that game. This was also the game where Kadarius Toney had his first touchdown of his career. You saw Juju Smith-Schuster go down. We'll see if there's any revenge built in for the safety Cisco but I, I just don't know how much you can take from one single game that happened so long ago. And the the, the Jaguars, who are now, in a, in a sense, just playing with house money, because this season has been above and beyond a success, winning the sure. AFC yeah. South. And now you've advanced to the, the round where there's only eight teams left. Um, I just sense that it's going to be a lot tougher game than maybe people were giving it credit for, not to say that. You should have preferred the Chargers. I get all the people that didn't want to see the division team for for a third game. But I I don't think we should be sleeping on on Jacksonville, John.
2: I agree. And, of course, you know, the point I just made was that all these teams are going to be good. All these teams should be considered uh, tough outs. And uh, that certainly should be applied to the Jaguars. You know, Doug Peterson is an Andy Reid disciple who went on to another team and went to the Super Bowl and won it. You know, this is a guy with real credentials, and he's done a good job this year of turning things around in Jacksonville. I'm sure he feels he could have done better, but he won the division, and the way that NFL has figured this out, winning the division gets you to, you know, uh, into a good spot in the playoffs. So, um, I, I just think this is a this is going to be a tough game for the Chiefs to get through. I think it's one they can win, but uh, you know, I don't think this is going to be a laugher i really don't i don't think we're going to see many of those this year
1: we'll be previewing and breaking down jaguars and chiefs all week long but your initial thoughts steve on on the chiefs hosting jacksonville for this divisional round game
3: oh i I do agree with the logic that like you'd rather play jacksonville than the chargers Mm -hmm. even with jacksonville still on this run like they're still an extremely young team. They're still a high-variance team, as we saw in the first half compared to the second half. Mm. But they are talented, and they've got young playmakers uh, yeah. on defense and on offense now. And th- this team, Jacksonville, is going to be good here in the next couple of years as long as they continue to draft well. They're adding Calvin Ridley as a weapon next year for Trevor Lawrence, who's, gonna, who's a fantastic wide receiver who's been suspended all year. And, and so everything's looking really good for Jacksonville. I just think that this matchup is the true test for the Chiefs where we talk about that you know, they play down to their competition level. Well, all of a sudden, this team can hang with Kansas yeah. City. Like th- This isn't a team that you can look at like you did in the middle of November and say we can have an average game a- and still walk out of here with a win. But I think the Chiefs are aware of that. This is the divisional round. This is the playoffs. Like Mm -hmm. We're not playing games anymore. This is what we've been working for all season. So I don't think there should be much worry to the Chiefs like Mm -hmm. overlooking the Jags and getting stunned or something like that. I think they're going to be ready to go, and I think they know everything that Trevor's bringing to the table and everything that Doug's bringing to the table. So I'm still pretty confident in the Chiefs, even though the Jags are rolling right now
1: when you're down 27 nothing and then 27-7 at half and and just the the ability to turn around I, I think that's something to remember and and you know this is on both sides but for Kansas City they went through a, a historical collapse themselves last year and now you have the Jaguars team coming in you know if the chiefs are able to go up 14 21 points they know for a lot of reasons that you should not take your foot off the, yeah. the gas when it comes to, to defeating Jacksonville. I, I like the point that you mentioned, Steve, about these young players that Jacksonville have. You've, you've basically had three or four of these guys have quiet breakout seasons in Evan Ingram at the the end of the year. Yeah. Christian Kirk, who we made fun of, Right. What are the Jacksonville Jaguars doing at eleven hundred yards this year and has been so reliable. Zay Jones has been really good. Travis Etienne. So even though these aren't maybe necessarily nationally known names quite yet, I, I do believe they have the firepower to stick with the Chiefs. And we'll see how that plays out at Arrowhead come Saturday afternoon. The announcement is Saturday afternoon that the Chiefs will kick off the, the divisional weekend with that first early game. John, I know we uh, we love an early game.
2: <laughs> probably not to say
1: that not to say that that's uh, at, at noon, but uh, I do like three thirty over the night, yeah. the night game. And and speaking of the rest of the weekend, we have the the Bills and Bengals on the other side on on Sunday. Uh, they both survived close calls this weekend, but I, I think the bigger takeaway, John, if you're a Chiefs fan, is this is sort of what we expected: the Bills and Bengals to to win their games, and now they get mm-hmm. to to beat up on each other. I, I think this is just a, a good scenario for Kansas City where. You're not going to have to play one of these teams because they're going to knock each other out.
2: I think most Chiefs fans would rather have the Chiefs play the Bengals uh, if the Chiefs survived that far. Just, you know, there's a revenge factor from last year. Uh, then there's the additional issue about the, the playoff game being at home, yeah. which will be the case if the opponent is the Bengals, but not if the opponent is, in the, is the Bills. I don't really know just on a pure football basis that I care much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they both have some strong points, you know, some issues, um, that that make them a tough opponent for the Chiefs. I suppose I'd probably Yeah, I don't know. I can't even I can't even Wrap my head around which team I'd rather have as the opponent in the in the conference championship if we get that far. Um, yeah, I I
1: agree with you when it comes to the football of it. I think these are two good teams, and I almost put them on an equal plane at this mm-hmm. point. I don't, I don't think the Bengals yeah. have received enough respect, especially the preseason, uh, being compared to the Bills. And with that in mind, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you're rooting for the Bengals. I think you want to stay home. I know it hasn't been a huge advantage. I understand the Bengals came back on you at the same stadium last year. I I get all that, but I. I just tend to think it's better than going to Atlanta. I, You know what I mean? It's yeah. just better than having mm-hmm. to travel. I think one less thing and having to have the, the other team come into your building. And I think there is something to the idea of if you are the team and you think you're the team, you shouldn't be as scared of a team just because they beat you the last three times. Like That should be a team that you want to play and you want to beat. And think mm-hmm. about the amount of confidence the Chiefs might have going up against that NFC team in the Super Bowl if they're able to slay that AFC dragon that's kind of had their number. And so I think if you're a Chiefs fan – you you want the Bengals here, Steve? What do you, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think what you said about staying home versus traveling to Atlanta is is the big thing here, and you know they both come with things that can give the Chiefs problems. I would probably take overall the Bengals uh, wide receivers and skill position players over the Bills, even though they have you know Diggs and Dawson Knox had a big game. I just think that Jamar Chase and T Higgins are. are just such good NFL players. But both of these teams, and uh, this is something that Nate Christensen pointed out on Twitter, our contributor here at Arrowhead Pride, and it was something I was thinking about last night. Both the Bills and the Bengals have some injuries right now that mm-hmm. could be really concerning for them moving forward. And yeah, you know, the Bills, they lost Von Miller for the season and they're hoping to get Micah Hyde back. Their secondary really hasn't been the same down the stretch. Uh, without Micah Hyde back there who's been a really good safety Jordan Poyer's been really banged up all season and Tredavious White's still trying to get back to what he was before his ACL tear and then the Bengals offensive line which was supposed to be better this season was for most of the season compared to last year is all of a sudden falling apart like yeah, not man. too dissimilar from uh, the Chiefs uh, a couple years ago <laughs> in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, like They lost Lael Collins and the final couple of weeks of the season Uh, starting guard, Alex Kappa didn't even play in Sunday night's game. And now uh, their other offensive lineman, Jonah Williams has a dislocated kneecap and could be in question moving forward. Like their offensive lines, all of a sudden falling apart and could be a huge issue for them. So when it comes to, you know, do I want the Bills or the Bengals? It's probably the Bengals right now. If the Chiefs' defense yeah. continues this run that they've been on over the last month or so, I think I'd rather go up against that offensive line.
1: Yeah, and and just the idea of how well Lejarius Sneed has been playing, and and I'm, I mean I I think there would be cases where Chase got him, but I I still feel I think better about that this year than maybe I would have last year, right? It just seems like Lejarius Sneed has taken that next step to not make the the All Pro team. We'll get into All Pros after the break, but I, I just like the, the Chiefs ability to stay home. I just think that's such a valuable point. And when the Bills and Bengals are, are sort of the same when it comes to elite contenders, I just think that that, that makes the the most sense there. I think the, the, the good thing here is no matter what, you're not going to Orchard Park. I just think that's a that's an advantage. You're either playing at Arrowhead if you're able to win or you're having to play that neutral side in Atlanta. You don't like the circumstances. No one was happy about the circumstances. We're we're all thrilled that the Jam- Hamlin is doing doing okay. But I just think, man, uh, nothing like some home cooking. Stay at Arrowhead, <laughs> host the Bengals, get it done. I, I think that'd be such a satisfying win potentially for Kansas City if it if it ends up going that way. But for that to happen, Cincinnati's gonna have to win in Buffalo. They actually do have to travel to to Buffalo, which is a, a tough place to play, and it's a hungry Bills fan base, and that place should be should be rocking. So we'll see what happens in in both of these games. Again, the Chiefs and the Jaguars will kick off the weekend Saturday at 3.30, and you'll get this Bills-Bengals game on Sunday. We'll preview it all right here at Arrowhead Pride on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. When we come back, we will go through the news of the past week here. Your Kansas City Chiefs, as they enjoyed their bye week, we're, we're right here. Keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. All right, back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Thank you to Steve for joining us in our roundtable. We've sent him back to behind the glass to do what, whatever he likes to do. Hopefully he doesn't fall asleep like he did during the, the Chargers <laughs> and, and Jaguars game so we can actually end the show at a certain point. But let's talk about the, the Chiefs news and the week that was, John, as, as they had the bye week. They only had the one media availability last Monday, and it's been dark ever since. We'll talk to them for the first time in eight days tomorrow on Tuesday. But I think the one thing that that has stuck out to me was how positive it seemed that Andy Reid was on the injury front. And the four that we're watching are wide receiver McCole Hardman, who has not played since Week Nine. still. Defensive end Frank Clark, who suffered that groin strain against the Raiders. Wide receiver Sky Moore, who had the hand laceration that kept him out of that last game. And Harrison Butker. I think we're okay with Butker because he did play in the game, looked pretty good. But I think it's just still something to monitor because you never know when these back spasms could could pop up but you really like the bye week here because i i think you you believe when we resume things here on tuesday when we'll have our first first injury report that these guys will be okay
2: yeah i think there's a good chance that all these guys uh will be available to play this weekend just because they've had some extra time off that's kind of the impression that andy kind of left us with Last week, but you know, it's it's hard to count all those chickens because you usually don't get all those chickens. But I think potential is certainly there that all these guys could be available to play this weekend. The Hardman uh, situation, I think, is the biggest question mark. Um, Andy seemed pretty clear that he thought that the deal with Frank Clark wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, And you know, Harrison Butker has performed well even when he was had this back issue. So. Those those three those two guys I think uh, we're going to see this weekend. These
1: are, are guys who suffered injuries, but I also think it's big for like Joe Tooney who banged up his mm-hmm. ankle. I think it's good for Kadarius Tony who has been great, right? But like hamstrings are fickle, and another two weeks off your hamstring is not a bad thing for other guys who have had bumps and bruises, right? Like Patrick Mahomes randomly appeared with his hand one week. You had, I think. Kelsey's always getting beat up at the line. Maybe he's not appearing on the injury report, but just having two weeks to get fresh, uh, just such a, an advantage. And I think you'll, you'll see the Chiefs and, and they'll, be, they'll be fresh as they enter this game against Jacksonville. And, and that's the beauty of the bye week, man. I, I still think there should be two. I think it feels like <laughs> if you finish top two in your conference, man, you, you should be rewarded for that in some fashion, yeah. but it's just not the case anymore. So fortunate for the Chiefs, the, the only team to get that extra week here to, to get healthy. In the meantime, Eric Bieniemy interviewed with the Indianapolis Colts. Remember, that's where GM Chris Ballard is. He used to be with Kansas City, so he knows Eric Bieniemy well. And both Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy, it seems, it's, the rumblings are out there that they're receiving consideration for an offensive coordinator gig in Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans moved on from their offensive coordinator, so to be the offensive coordinator with Mike Rabel there as the head coach. Uh, I I think, you know, you'll have to see about the in, in Indianapolis. I'm not sure if they're going to go in that direction. It does seem like owner Jim Irsay, despite the record, I believe they won one of eight games, really likes Jeff Saturday for that position still, which is unbelievable. Uh, I think the the interesting part of, of this news this week, John, has been the, the Tennessee possibility mm-hmm. because. It's offensive coordinator. It's, it's not like there's a, a head coach vacancy. So maybe we're we're starting to see that theory. And there's been a theory here that that maybe owners are a little bit hesitant for the because he's under Andy Reid. And we believe that Andy Reid calls most of the plays. Travis Kelsey recently said that on New Heights that believes Big Red has been calling the plays all along here. And I think before an owner is going to be willing to hand over keys, there's a theory out there that we need to see Bienniali run the offensive game plan and call the plays, and maybe Tennessee is a place where he'd be able to do that.
2: Well, I also think that Tennessee is a place where enemy would fit in really well. I mean, if if you're going to talk about Eric Bienniali as an offensive coordinator, wouldn't it be cool to have him running an offense that has Derek Henry in it? I mean, that just seems sensible to me. Um, to have, you know, an extra. Maybe that's the way they're looking at it. It's mm. kind of interesting that they're also looking at Nagy as well. Um, but you know, I'm not sure that either one of these guys are particularly interested in a horizontal move, which is what mm. this would be. And um, so I don't know that, that there's much chance it's going to happen. But I, but I understand the thinking that's going into it in Tennessee, particularly with regard to to enemy.
1: Nagy, I don't think, is going anywhere. I just, you know, I've said before, I I, I just think he's in here for the long haul to to be the eventual successor to Andy Reid in the long run. I think he knows that once Eric Bienemy moves on, which I think we're all hoping for, will be this year in a head coach position, remains to be seen, even if he were to move on for an offensive coordinator gig where he has more of the play calling and the and the control there. I think everybody knows that Matt Nagy is going to be the offensive coordinator under Andy Reid, and and you know I, I think that's how they continue this this pipeline. We'll see what happens. Uh, Eric Bieniemy in the past has shown uh, disinterest and not really being all that intrigued by going to a college head coaching job. He has not been intrigued by making a move like this, John, as you described lateral. But the 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 fact is, is his contract is up at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he is able to potentially interview for this offensive coordinator gig. And I have always gotten the feeling that this was going to be the last year of the enemy with the chiefs. You know, I I think we've all kind of felt that. And and so again, if he's not going to have a a job here, you hope that it's with a, a good program. In a and tendency, a place
2: where he fits, you know, where it makes and sense a, for him to be there. Yeah,
1: from afar too. Like I really like Mike Vrabel. I think the defensive game plans he comes up against with the Chiefs are mm. annoying. I'm surprised more people <laughs> don't repeat them. Right? Like, like I think that's a, a good team and to to go to now. You wonder about the quarterback position, but it is very running back heavy. Which I, I right. think you're right, John. I think that would be an interesting ship to take over if you're Eric Bana. We'll see how it all plays out. Four chiefs were named as 2022 Associated Press first-team All Pros. They were Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, and don't tell Dustin, but Tommy Townsend <laughs> got a first pro first first-team All Pro nod. The Chiefs also had two second-teamers: Joe Tooney at left guard, and then Creed Humphrey. No love for LeJarius Sneed, John. No love for Juan Thornhill, who guaranteed it. No love for Nick Bolton, who was second in the league in tackles. So a couple snubs there, I thought. But I, I think good to see six six Chiefs is a lot to, to appear yeah. on the all-pro list.
2: Yeah, that's not a bad haul uh, under the circumstances that exist. I mean, I, you make a, a good argument for players, especially, I think, for Nick Bolton. Um, it's interesting to me that he's not getting more love from around the league than he is. But, um, you know, I think that's going to come. People are going to figure that out eventually, that uh, that he is an amazing player. And I think there's gonna, he's going to be a, an all-pro at some point in the future. I don't think there's any question about that in my mind. And so, um, yeah, you know, there's a couple of snubs there, but not a bad haul uh, for a team that, you know, most people thought wouldn't even make the playoffs this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. uh Speaking of the accolades, uh, jarek McKinnon, a a part time player and part of a committee here in Kansas City, has been named the AFC Offensive Player of the Month for December and January of 2022 over the the six games. Just a a tremendous stretch for McKinnon. Nine total touchdowns, uh, receiving touchdown every single game. He was the first running back since 1970 with a scoring reception in at least. Five straight games, the final stat line for December, January over the six games, 33 rushes for 142 yards, one rushing touchdown, 27 catches for 274 yards, and eight touchdowns through the air. Just an incredible run for Jarek McKinnon, and I think he will be a weapon that Andy returns to in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I agree. And as you've pointed out, I think in the article that you were quoting there, uh, this is for a rotational player. This isn't a starter. This isn't, you know, some guy that the Chiefs went into the season thinking they were going to depend upon. Well, maybe they did, but they weren't talking about it. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but this is a, a rotational player who's coming in on third downs, and he's making a big difference on this team, just like he did a year ago. Uh, he was, a lot of people felt that he was showed himself to be the best back on the team during the postseason last year. i, I I think that there were a few good plays that made people yeah. feel that way, and they maybe overstated their opinions a little. But certainly he's been terrific um, in December and January, and I think he certainly deserved this award.
1: Yeah, uh, incredible. I, I wonder what it's going to mean for him. Me. He's basically having this extreme NFL breakout at the end of the year in which he's 30 years old. Yeah. And he's a running back. And yeah. that just brings up a very intriguing contract situation for him. I got to think. The Chiefs are not going to want to pay what he'll he's available, you know, to make on the open market. But it's going to be one of those tricky questions. I'm not really sure what that price is going to be for, you know, this this 30 year old running back. I, it, I don't think it'll, it, it might
2: not be much. It really might not be much. I mean, you know, there's always this talk about how you shouldn't pay running backs very much money, and then you got this guy who's thirty years old and he's missed what two full seasons with an injury, and uh, but on the other hand, he's kind of like Marcus Allen at this age. You know, he doesn't have a lot of wear on the tires, so it could really you could interpret it a lot of different ways.
1: So he is thirty, but due to injury, he did have two years out of football, which actually makes this even more incredible. Just having mm-hmm. to have yeah. to miss two years due to injury and then being able to have this production, uh, I I think it'll be very interesting to to see what happens. It might be one of those cases where he is more valuable to the Chiefs than anybody else. Yeah, in in a Wouldn't way, be. like we used to say about Danny Sorensen and and Ben Neiman, for example. <laughs> uh, and and maybe that they, they find a a good price range where it's a fit and they they keep him in Kansas City, like. In talking to Jarek after one of these games, one of my questions was, you know, how much, did, you know, has Andy Reid really played and just getting you in the, the right space? And and he's well aware that and maybe this wouldn't be happening in, in any of 31 right. other places. Yeah. And yeah. so maybe he's more apt to stay in Kansas City for a little less than he might make of the open market. Again, that is a conversation for a later day. I imagine he will continue to have production in the NFL playoffs. Speaking of a later day, the Chiefs signed John Ross third to a reserve future contract, once the regular season is over, you can start building your 90-man for the next year. And that even includes teams who are still in the playoffs. And it's a little confusing because everyone's like, whoa, the Chiefs have John Ross? No, not for <laughs> not for the postseason. For the 90-man the where, where he'll be there throughout OTAs and then training camp, presumably. They continue to like him. But you might remember the name because the Bengals' John actually took John Ross before Patrick Mahomes who the Chiefs traded up with the Buffalo Bills right before him, <laughs> number nine overall pick. Uh, they, were, they were draft buddies back-to-back. It's gotten a little bit better for Patrick Mahomes than John Ross, but this is a speed guy, and I think it's Brett Veach, who also signed another receiver on a reserve futures deal uh, in, in the same day, not as a, well-known as, as John Ross, but this is a situation where you are seeing Nicole Hardman go to free agency, so why not have some, some options here? Uh, similar to what they did last year, while having where you had a lot of receivers here during the offseason. That's where you you found Justin Watson, who's had made some some big catches for the Chiefs. And so I just think that's this is an effort in that direction.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I, I I've heard a lot of people sing the praises of John Ross uh, since he was drafted by the Bengals and before then as well. And I think four two two the
1: re- the record yeah. of the forty yard dash at the combine, John.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so uh, there's been a lot of people who've kind of been singing his praises. I'm kind of surprised more people aren't excited about this than I'm seeing. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that the Chiefs have taken on some wide receivers who were first round picks, et cetera, who haven't worked out necessarily. Looks like Kadarius Tony might be the exception there. So maybe that's part of what's driving this is people aren't quite sure that this is going to pan out because we've seen it not happen but it's also true that you know beach keeps taking these swings that don't cost very much and this one certainly didn't cost very much you know just signing a guy to a reserve future contract costs basically nothing in any significant you know, capital you and, make a uh, he could play he could work out you know you make
1: a great point here Chiefs fans are so excited about the other Ross, Justin Ross. Who <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> there's no real reason to be all that excited about Justin Ross, right? Like, yeah, w- but it's just Justin Ross fever. We still get people tweeting and commenting about Justin Ross. And then meanwhile, I think you're right. It is weird that it just, just didn't get as much, I think, discussion and, and push by Chiefs fans just because he is a former number nine overall pick with a four 2 two 40-yard dash that you're giving to Andy Reid next year. So, hey, uh, you know, some people like one Ross. Others like another Ross. We'll see if either Ross will make the 53-man roster. But that, again, is for a later day. Broncos guard Quinn Murners is not happy with the Chiefs' snow play. The fact that they did that little ring-around-the-rosy play against the Raiders (laughs) genuinely pissed me off. (laughs) What? <laughs> I would get it if he was on the Raiders. I think the fact that he's on the Broncos and yeah. this is just two of your division teams that you're... I mean, you got to play both of these teams. Not like, it wasn't like a, a, a Chiefs versus Jags game, for example. And this is a team... You're supposed to hate the Raiders just as much, Quinn. I, I get the Chiefs <laughs> win every year, but who cares? You weren't even in the game. What did you make of this, Jeff?
2: Well, I think that if you look at his comments in, in total... It appears that it was just, you know, we can't beat the Chiefs. I hate that we can't beat the Chiefs. I'm (laughs) pissed off that we can't beat the Chiefs. And now this really pisses me off even more, is what it sounded like to me. And, uh, And I get it why people, you know, thought it was silly for him to feel that way. But I also think, and we asked this in the poll question this week, You know, if you were on a if if another team ran a play like this against the Chiefs, would you feel disrespected, disrespected? And I didn't expect a huge number of people to say, oh, yeah, I would feel disrespected if it happened to the Chiefs. But, you know, like one in seven did. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's pretty I think that says quite a bit because people tend to uh, filter their opinions through their own home team bias. And I thought people were being pretty honest when they say, you know, even if that many would be willing to admit that it would make them angry if it happened to their team. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, this is just another reminder
1: that and even when the Chiefs do it, when they are like, this game is just like every other week when you know it's not, it's not. Quinn is going to be obviously pretty juiced to play the chiefs next year. That he's he's now made that like clear. Sure. Yeah. And, and you see this type of thing sometimes when players play former teams and they're like, well, I don't really care. You care. I mean, (laughs) stop telling us that you don't care more. Like it, it it does matter a little bit more to you. And this will be something that I'm telling you, we'll bring up next year when, when the chiefs are playing the Broncos, we'll remind everybody about this. And I'm sure he'll have to talk about it in Denver. They're good. They're good in Denver on that beat of, of making sure we get all the, the juicy storyline, so the snow globe play, did not make uh, the Broncos too happy, even though it wasn't against them. All right, we have the, the 2023 opponent list uh, that came out this week because um, once the regular season is over, you can lock in the opponents. John, you uh, you went out on a limb here and said that the, the schedule, the opposing teams are pretty average. So you get the AFC West. You play the Bills, Bears, Bengals, Lions, Dolphins, and Eagles at home, and then away you get the Packers, Jaguars, Vikings, Patriots, and then the New York Jets. What was your raw reaction, John, to this?
2: Well, at first when I was writing it up, I thought, well, you know, this is more of what we saw in 2022. We're playing a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of playoff teams from uh, the previous season, and I thought, oh, well, this is you know, this could be pretty tough. And then I thought, well, let's go ahead and figure out what yeah. they are, you know, how difficult the schedule is based on the 2022 records. And that's where you come up with mm. it's kind of an average schedule. And I think that says as much about the parity that exists in the league right now uh, than it does about anything else, because there are a lot of teams in the playoffs this season who are just above 500 themselves, if not right at 500. And I think that's part of why the schedule looks this particular way, that the Chiefs are kind of in the middle of it. Um, But, you know, we always have to make this caveat that this calculation of the strength of schedule is not reliable. It's just all we can do right now.
1: (laughs) Right, because you look at some of these, and you know, as I'm randomly picking here, I mean, the Jets may have... A new quarterback like Derek Carr may be on the Jets, which would tr- yeah. change that game completely. Sure. Yeah. You don't know what's gonna be going on with New England, where I know they're gonna bring in some more offensive staff. Is is Aaron Rodgers even on Green Bay, you know, at a certain point? And what's going on with the Miami quarterback situation? So there are there's just question marks built in that the record doesn't tell you, but as far as the record goes right now, you you, you gave us a nice chart here, John. Uh, the Chiefs are sixteenth when it comes to strength of schedule of their opponents. That that's about point. Five one four one, as far as the twenty-two record win percentage goes. If you're wondering, the Eagles, by those standards, would have the the toughest schedule, whereas the Atlanta Falcons would have the the easiest schedule. So we'll see when, what ends up happening with this. We know one of these games is going to be in Germany, so I wonder which one they're going to they'll yeah. choose for that.
2: Yeah, we'll All right, let's count on that. I think, yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's get to the our final two stories here. Patrick Mahomes joins the Casey Current ownership group. His wife Brittany was among the owners and the, the founders. And so now it's a family affair, as they described, John. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes joins the ownership group. And that that marks uh three teams that he has at least some right to to say that he owns in the Kansas City Royals and, and sporting KC. So look, when you, you sign a a ten year Half a billion dollar contract. You got some money to throw around. And we know Patrick Mahomes loves sports, but I i think my takeaway here is this furthers that dual Texas Kansas City identity that that he has, John.
2: And also, you know, Colorado and Nevada with the Broncos and the Raiders. He owns oh, there a we piece go. of those teams yeah. as well. Okay. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I saw so many people making that joke on Twitter. I, I had to yeah. I had to bring it I up. I see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, yes. I, I think this is great. I mean, it shows that the guy has roots here, and he intends for those roots to last long beyond his playing career. You know, when, when Bo Jackson was uh, coming out of college and he wanted to be a dual-sport athlete, I was pounding the table. The Chiefs need to get this guy. You know, mm-hmm. he was going to play for the Royals, and if Bo Jackson had played for the Chiefs, he'd have been Mr. Kansas City for the rest of his life. And instead, he went to another team and completely blew the opportunity to have the kind of fandom you could have from Royals fans because he went and played for the Raiders, for crying out loud. And I think that Mahomes is recognizing that there's value in being associated with a team for your whole career and a city for your whole career and I, I I just think this is terrific. It's so old school. I love it. And you know you know I'm about this stuff because I'm an old man. And you should get off my lawn, please.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think the the bearing of the lead of this whole entire show was that you were high on Bo Jackson coming out of college. I mean, I, I think I wish we would have. <laughs> wish we would have known that back in the day. I I think you're right. I, I think Mahomes is very smart. He's very savvy. This goes back to when he was a backup to Alex Smith, not really wanting to take. Uh, endorsements and overshadow smith as as number two and and him and his his representation lee steinberg they had a really good plan that said we're not going to rock the boat in year one when alex was traded to the washington football team mm-hmm. and yeah. Mahomes became the starter then you started to see him do more and more what a burger with the, the sunglasses with oakley with a coors light which he he loves him some coors light Mahomes, good god bless him um and, you, you know, now you see him everywhere. And I, I just think that was the right way to go about it. And it's just that savviness of building your brand. And, and again, he, he's done a really nice job. And this just adds to it, right? He's, he's Mr. Kansas City as he joins the the current ownership group. i got to get out to a current game. They look pretty fun. I have not been able to do it yet. And they're building that really nice facility. So, I, at some point here, I will make my way out to the Casey current game, who's now owned by Mahomes. Uh, speaking of Mahomes, he also won the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year charity challenge. What was most interesting to me about this story, John, is the Chiefs have done this three years in a row. It doesn't matter who their, <laughs> their candidate is. Uh, Kansas City voted Tyron Matthew uh, as the, the charity challenge winner last year, and, and the year before that it was Travis Kelsey. So speaking of, of an AFC title game streak, John, it's the charity challenge streak in Kansas City where uh, Chiefs fans, by voting on Twitter, have raised 25000 for each of these guys. Pretty cool. Pretty cool for Kansas City.
2: Well, not only three in a row, but four of of the eight that have existed. The first mm. one was won by Eric Berry after the twenty fifteen season, I think it was. Yep. I'd have to go back and look at it, but because it's not open in front of me. But um, yeah, it's kind of amazing, um, and and I, and it's it doesn't really make a lot of sense because you know Kansas City's a small market compared to a yep. lot of these markets. If it's just about fandom uh, of the of the team's fans then where is all this coming from? Right. Uh, you know, it's easy to see why Mahomes would win it because, you know, this guy is the face of the league on so many different levels. But Tyron Matthew, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey is certainly a fantastic player, but I'm not sure that he's the face of the league quite like Patrick. Um, so it's it's kind of amazing that it's happening. And, and I love it that it's happening, that the, yeah. the Chiefs have... Um, this ability to get people to move their feet and make things happen for them on social media.
1: I'm wondering this, and I tweeted this out, John, and the answer is no. Has there ever been a player to win the Walter Payton NFL man of the year award? And let's be clear. He's won the charity challenge. Now we're going to see if right. he'll be yeah. a finalist and went, but Walter Payton man of the year, MVP, Super Bowl MVP and Lombardi trophy. The NFL EGOT has there ever been a player to do it? The answer is no. So, Mahomes has a chance to do that this year. I don't know if they'll pick Mahomes, but I, I think he's certainly done enough in the community and raised enough money mm-hmm. with this 50 in the yeah. Foundation to have that part of it. It seems like, yes, yeah, sometimes he gets a little spicy between the white lines with his flexing and his yelling, but largely he's very, very nice sportsman when it comes to being at the podium. never disparages anybody else. I think he's a really likable guy. He's never really changed uh, as he's become one of the more famous athletes in the world. And so... We will see if that translates to the committee voting him to be the the man of the year. But that would certainly be cool, and I, I believe that would put the Chiefs standing alone as the most men of the year. Mm. Uh, as Actually, as I, they're franchise. there now,
2: they're there now. They've had five, and the, no other team has had more than four. So,
1: oh, they're there. They're there. I thought Chicago. Am I? Am I, am I getting that yeah, wrong? Yeah, I,
2: I looked it up because I was. Okay. I, this is something I wanted to know when oh, I was working on that story. So I. I, you know, you know how I am. I put all that stuff in a table and sorted it, and then you know, I love so I knew what. The well, there you go. Well, they can so. extend their lead then. would that, exactly. be even better. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. Well, like we said, a little bit of an abbreviated show today because there was no game, so no marinated takeaways, and and we're waiting to see all, all weekend who the Chiefs were playing. It'll be Jaguars. They'll play on Saturday at three thirty p.m. So we'll, we'll keep you updated at ArrowheadPride.com. We'll get our first injury report of the week. It'll be a day earlier. Can't get away from these Saturday games, John. Everything's a day earlier again, so we'll start on Tuesday. We'll hear from all the 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 Chiefs and Andy Reid, and we'll get the injury report. We'll get this thing going. I, I I like the Saturday game. Do you like it, John?
2: Yeah, it's okay. It's it's been a nice change at the end of the the season for things to be in a little bit different rhythm, you know. So, uh but I I don't know that I'd, well,
1: I well. I... I like I like that we get the game over and then we kind of just sit back and relax yeah. and and, and yeah. enjoy the the Sunday of football. But anyway. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com, not only on our website, as I just described, but also right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll get you ready for what will be the, the Chiefs' first playoff game of the 2022-23 season. And, uh, and again, if you like the editor show and you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, please leave us a rating and a review. There will be no cake contests anytime soon. So now it's just... It's a, It's got to be a source of pride for you we'll to want to hear think you. There's
2: something else to do when we get to 2,000, won't we?
1: Oh man, I, you know, <laughs> it won't be anything like the, the cake situation. Thank well, you for, okay. thank right. you to Stephen Serta for for producing this bad boy and coming on for a roundtable. Thank you to John Dixon for joining me. This has been uh, another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm Pete Sweeney. Have a great day.